I'm excited to continue our series on Joseph this morning. My name is Sarah Tedeschi. I lead up our kids' ministry here at Dwell. Usually, I'm over there with them, so it's nice to be with the grown-ups for a change today. Um, but I love the story of Joseph. It's one of my absolute favorites to read in the Bible. If you missed last week, Nick shared a message on how the story of Joseph reveals how some of the situations in our lives that feel like setbacks to us might be God setting us up for his plans and his purposes. For Joseph, one of those major setbacks was being born into a family with 11 brothers who hated him. Um, but Joseph knew at least an element of God's plan for his life because God had given him those two prophetic dreams that symbolized him ruling over his family. And it was after sharing those dreams, though, that Joseph finally pushed his brothers over the edge and they plotted to murder him. And they threw him in a pit, ate some lunch to think things over, and then his brother Judah had the brilliant idea of selling him as a slave to some merchant. So with that, Joseph is now on his way to Egypt, and his path from pit to palace has begun. So we pray with me this morning. Dear Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to share your word with my church family today. I pray that you would let me speak only the words that you wish me to speak, that our hearts would be softened and open to hear from you today, that we would be able to clearly discern your voice as you speak to us, and we would walk away knowing how to be in greater intimacy with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So growing up, I loved fishing, especially with my dad. For those of you who don't know, I'm from New Hampshire, and freshwater fishing is a common hobby there. So when Nick and I were dating, I tried to share that love of fishing with him, but there was a little bit of a problem. He wouldn't put the worm on the hook. So I had to do it for him because it grossed him out so much. I will say if it was now, he would probably do it, but he definitely would not do it back then. So I had to put the worm on the hook for him, for us to fish. But why does a fisherman put a worm on a hook? He puts a worm on a hook to hide the real deal, right? There's a hook underneath. It's not about the worm. The worm is the attraction. The real deal from the fisherman's standpoint is the hook. But a fish isn't going to go swimming toward a hook, right? It's dumb. It's not crazy. So it will swim towards a worm because they don't understand the danger of what that bait is covering up. So today I want to unpack with you what the bait and hook looks like in our own lives as it relates to temptation. The reality is that all of us in this room experience temptation and are enticed by our sinful desires. Sin can be so attractive and compelling on the front end, but afterward, as we face the consequences of giving in, that's when we start to see sin from a different perspective. And it's in the aftermath that we often ask ourselves, why did I give in again? How did I mess up again? But characters in the Bible were not immune to this either. They were real people and real people who battled with overcoming sinfulness in their lives. And even Jesus experienced temptation. In Hebrews 4.15, it says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. My hope is that we leave here today better prepared to overcome temptation, that we draw closer to God as we surrender our sinfulness and better recognize the areas where we are tempted. We're all tempted to do wrong at different points in our lives, but there's this defining moment where we have to answer the question, how am I going to handle the pressures of this temptation? 
When temptation comes, you have a choice. And the choice is either going to draw you closer to God or it's going to separate you from him. And your response may not guarantee an improvement in your current circumstances, but it does guarantee a deeper relationship with the Lord. And how we respond could alter the trajectory of our lives. Dietrich Bonhoeffer puts it this way. He says, being a Christian is less about cautiously avoiding sin than about courageously actively doing God's will. The pursuit of purity is not about the suppression of lust, but about the reorientation of one's life to a larger goal. It's easier to resist temptation when you're pursuing God's purposes. When we focus on God's purposes, the temptation may not go away completely, but God will give us the strength to overcome it. Through the life of Joseph, the Bible gives us this example of how the Holy Spirit moves us beyond temptation to make the right choices. Joseph, like us, experienced temptations, and he models for us a faithfulness to God in the midst of temptations as he lives a life committed to pursuing God's purposes. So let's pick things up in Genesis 39. Joseph is sold by the Ishmaelites to Potiphar, who is captain of Pharaoh's guards. Joseph prospers and finds favor in Potiphar's eyes to the point that Potiphar puts him in charge of the household. In verse 5 it says, The Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So things are probably starting to make sense to Joseph at this point. Like, okay, God, I see now that you've got a plan and a purpose for me in this. This is, at the very least, a step in the right direction. But then there's a turn of events in verse 6. It says, now Joseph was well-built and handsome, and after a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. This is a wild story. Like, throw in a couple more teenagers and, like, a sci-fi element, and suddenly... Joseph's story is like the next hit in the CW. But for real, when you come to this passage, you might be thinking, like, we get no name here, no age or description of this lady. Scripture basically says Joseph is handsome with washboard abs, but, like, nothing on her. Part of me thought, is she just this, like, old, haggard lady that Joseph has no interest in? But there's something that leads me to believe otherwise. First off, not only was Potiphar an Egyptian official, he is captain of Pharaoh's guard meaning, like, probably had some money. I'm not stating, like, this is a biblical, biblical fact, but let's be real. We live in L.A. Money not buy you happiness, but it can buy you love. And, like, a lot of the times, that love looks younger and more attractive than you are. And joking aside, it's very much safe to assume, though, that this would have been a legitimate temptation for Joseph. But we see when Joseph was faced with that temptation in verse 8, he says, he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? So Joseph's refusal is backed up with truth. Notice the simple, straightforward answer. How can I violate my master's trust by stealing the one thing he has not given to me, his wife? How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? The reason why the pressure of temptation so often overtakes us is because we allow the thought of sin to reside for too long in our minds. We believe the lie that we can handle the temptation on our own. So we have this tendency to get as close to sin as humanly possible and then try to back away at the last minute 
But the longer it takes for us to straight up say no, the harder it's going to be to resist that temptation. So instead of acting decisively, we flirt and we see how far we can go. And in the moment we try to rationalize wrong behavior, we give the enemy access to our heart, our mind, our soul, our spirit. Potiphar's wife said to him one day, come to get bed with me, but Joseph refused immediately. At the heart of it all, Joseph's main concern wasn't losing his job, his money, or some sexual pressure. He refused to lose God. His glory was too beautiful. His friendship was too precious. His promises too great for Joseph to lie with her. If you want to stay out of bed with someone's wife, if you want to stay out of bed with that sin that keeps tripping you up, make yourself as, humanly po- as happy as humanly possible in your relationship with God. How many know that we're not just faced with temptations once? If you're a follower of Jesus and you know the Holy Spirit, chances are that you're aware of your sinful nature. You know the things that you're prone to, the things that cause you to miss the mark on the life that God has intended for you. Maybe it's a sexual sin or anger, greed, gossip, pride. Can God deliver us from those? Absolutely. And we should pray for that. But oftentimes temptation comes to us in the areas of our lives where we're weakest. In Joseph's case, he was regularly being offered sex by a married woman. Beyond the initial refusal, Joseph had to determine in his heart that he was going to resist repeatedly. Potiphar's wife was obsessive and overcome by her desires to the point that in verse 10 it says, And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Joseph continually refused to give in to sin. And Potiphar's wife didn't merely make her move once and give up. She she persisted. And Joseph persisted in saying no. Looking at the timeline of Joseph's life in scripture, we see actually this perseverance may have actually been challenged for as long as a decade. And I doubt Joseph could have done that without a genuine relationship with God and a conviction to maintain that relationship no matter what. At this point, Joseph had been given dreams early on that revealed God's plan for his life. He made it through slavery, the best literally anyone possibly could, and saw the Lord's favor at work in his life. He trusted that God was still with him despite probably a rough few years. And for us, part of pursuing God's plan means remembering all that he's done for us in the past while looking ahead to all that he has for us in the future, even when it's not totally clear. When we make that a practice in our lives, we'll find the strength to overcome temptation when it comes knocking again and again. Let's keep reading through, picking up from verse 11. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants were inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave he brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So Joseph's job brought him into the household. He had 
no choice. So it was an inevitable that he was going to run into Potiphar's wife. So one day Joseph walked unknowingly into a trap. The house was empty, the servants were gone, and Potiphar's wife made her move. Sometimes you need to simply get out of the situation that's causing the problem. Jesus tells us to take decisive action. Paul tells us to flee sexual immorality. This is not a figure of speech. It's a battle plan. It's not the time for explanations. It's not the time for debate. When your window of opportunity is small, you run like Joseph ran. When we run towards the truth, when we run towards the light, toward an all-powerful Savior, we run towards what will ultimately heal us. When temptation comes, you have a choice. And that choice is either going to draw you closer to God or it's going to separate you further from him. Your response may not guarantee an improvement in your current circumstances. Definitely didn't for Joseph. Joseph's faithfulness to Potiphar, and more importantly to God, is met with wrongful accusations, and it leads to an angry boss throwing him in jail. Despite that, though, his choice opens the door to an even deeper relationship with God and leads him further into God's purposes, because we know what happens later on. Joseph continues to find favor wherever he ends up, from the pit to Potiphar's house to prison. Joseph is focused on God, and strengthened by him through it all. It's easier to resist temptation when we are pursuing God's purposes. We're never going to outgrow temptations. That's just the fact. In some form, we're going to be tempted, but we can overcome them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. No temptation is too strong for you to choose what brings life over what brings death. No temptation is too strong for you to not ask God to shed light on sin's instant gratification versus long-term joy and peace. Take practical steps to ready yourself to overcome temptations. First being always pursue a transformed heart. If you find yourself increasingly conflicted, feeling the pull of sin's allure, but also being able to see the ugliness behind it all, ask God to make it even more offensive in your eyes. Conviction from the Holy Spirit exists for a reason. That's why he's there. He's there to protect us, to guide us. Sin is wrong, but it's also not worth wanting in the first place. Sin becomes more offensive as God becomes more beautiful, more precious, more satisfying. Sin that promotes instant gratification loses that seductive power because it pales in comparison to the pleasure of the deep and enduring joy of God's promises. But if we're not pursuing that promise by pursuing a relationship with God, we're more easily going to give into temptation. There's a quote from Charles Spurgeon that says, the idle man tempts the devil to tempt him. So don't be idle. In scripture, Paul tells a young Timothy to respond appropriately to the pressure of temptation. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, he tells him, run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. When facing temptations in your life, be intentional. Be vigilant so that you're ready to run from the things that hurt you and run towards the things that are going to help you. Joseph was intentional about not being alone with Potiphar's wife. He didn't seek out trouble. 
Joseph was smart enough to not place trust in himself and believe that he could actually handle something that he couldn't. If you know that something will be a situation that will tempt you, you need to stay away. If there are places or websites that encourage sin, then you avoid them. If you know that certain practices will stir up sinful emotions, don't go near it. If you know that there are certain people are a temptation to you, stay away from them. If there are friends who say to you, it's all good, come on, and you know it's all bad, you need to end those friendships. Why would you put yourself in situations where you know that you know will continually bring out the worst in you? If you have a problem with gossip, maybe you need to hit pause on spending time with that friend who is constantly tearing other people down. If you have a problem with pornography, maybe you need to limit your time on your devices and choose not to use them when you're alone. And get accountability, by the way. If you have a problem with drunkenness, maybe you need to take a break from going to parties to going to bars, from refrain from ordering alcohol when you're out and avoid that aisle in the grocery store. If you have a problem with jealousy and comparison, maybe you need to delete Instagram off your phone and focus on the reality of who God called you to be, not on someone else's perfectly curated life. If you don't make moves to shut sin down, it will keep coming up. I'm going to call Jackie up to close, start to close us out in worship. The reality is, when we sin, we turn away from God's life-giving love and towards self-will and alienation. And that's something that each of us struggle with. We've all sinned and we'll all sin again. But it's through God's love and grace that he turns and invites us to turn back to him and live in life-giving relationship. Jesus came to bring forgiveness to our sins. But he also came to give us the power to face our future temptations. We need both. We'll all continue to face temptations. That's the way it is. But God is always with us in them. And he gives us the truth to overcome them. So stay in the word, actively pursue God in prayer, and he'll show you a way out. Rest in his grace, but seek truth and pursue holiness. Sometimes we will give into temptation. We are going to mess up. We are going to fall short. But when we do, we need to bring it most importantly before God. And sometimes we need to bring it before a friend. Don't let things fester. Don't let shamefulness keep you from repentance. That's not of God. That's not what he wants for your life. His grace and his mercy is more than enough. There's nothing, nothing that you could do that can separate you from his love. You don't have to try and to defeat everything on your own. You don't have to try to overcome things from your own will. If there's something in your life that keeps tripping you up, or if there are temptations that you're struggling to overcome that you feel like are hindering you from being all that you can be, all that God's calling you to be, Nick and I are going to be in the back as Jackie sings, and we'd love to pray with you. And if you're not comfortable with that, I want you to take some time in your seat and ask God, search my heart. Tell me what moves do I need to make to stop tripping up in this area, to be all that you've called me to be. And I want you to be receptive to that. And don't forget it as you leave. Keep it with you throughout the week.